We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. Well, we're glad you're here this morning. We're still preaching through the book of Nehemiah. I know maybe some of you haven't been here last week, but that's okay. We're still continuing in the book of Nehemiah, and and I'm excited about this. Again, another message that for me was, you may not get much out of it, but for me, you know, it was a great it was a great lesson for me and something that I really needed. You know, last week uh, or this week has was a really difficult week for me. Uh, spiritually, seemed to be struggling, and and boy, I really did lean a lot on my mentors and 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 my brothers in Christ. And and uh, and yesterday, as I um, finished up the message, um, it was just so refreshing and and I hope that God in his grace and his mercy gives you that refreshment that you need maybe after a difficult week and so um so I hope that you will be able to be transformed in your heart and in your mind um, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit and so I entitled this message learning to be patient then I Changed this title to another title, and I changed it to another title, and then finally this morning when I came in, I said, "Aha!" And I changed it again. And I don't the title; it may go with the sermon. I don't know. We'll see at the end, okay? But I named it "The Qualities of a Good Leader," and really, I think that most of us in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ will lead at some point in our lives. Some of you are parents, uh, some of you grandparents, some of you maybe great grandparents. You are a leader in your home. Maybe you're going to teach a Bible study. Maybe you hold a small group. Maybe you go on a mission trip. At some point in our lives, I believe that we all have the, the need to be a good leader. And so that's why I entitled this sermon, uh, The Qualities of a Good Leader. And as a leader, one of the most difficult tasks that I have found is patience. We all, I believe, struggle with patience. It's one of the most difficult tasks for me as your pastor is to be patient because I want to see all of the seats full of people. I want to see a Wednesday night service thriving and worshiping and praying and serving God. I want to see small groups and people connecting in the community. I want to see outreach events. I want to see the parking lot full Not for our glory, but for the glory of God so that we can train up and equip other believers with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can go forth and share the hope of Jesus. But it takes patience, so I hear. Patience, by definition, is this. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. And then I added discouraged the end of Webster or whoever it was. Nehemiah, we will learn, was a great leader of patience. He didn't rush. He didn't just jump right in and jump the gun. He didn't get out in front of God. He was very patient. As we look today, we will see that Nehemiah waited for the right time to start this rebuilding project. And I think that we as a church must understand this reality. We as Christians in our daily walk with the Lord must understand this reality. 
we can work exceedingly hard. We can do everything in our ability to accomplish all that you and I feel like God is calling us to do. But until the right time comes about, it will not be the right time for us in our lives, in our church, to move to the next stage. You know, I was talking to one of my mentors this week, and I said, you know, this whole church thing is difficult. The whole church plant thing is difficult. You know, when I was in Montana, we had 130, 140 people. It was difficult. So I've just come to consider that pastoral ministry is difficult. And so as I spoke with him, I told him, you know, um, this whole church plant thing is difficult. He said, well, just imagine if, if you only had 300 people, how difficult it would be. And I could imagine. Could you imagine if we showed up next Sunday and 300 people showed up? Well, number one, we couldn't fit all of them. We'd have to go to three services because the state has considered that we can only fit 107 in here. At one time, we could probably squeeze more. They, they, don't, they don't visit on Sundays. But the reality is, is that until we are prepared to handle that quantity of people, until we have the, the proper establishments to, to handle that, we're not ready for that. And so I believe that what God is teaching me through the book of Nehemiah is that sit back and, and be patient and let's, let's get this thing in order so that we can move forward and we can begin to see the growth in God and trust us with spiritual lives, not just physical things. So Nehemiah, he didn't just jump in. He was very patient. You see, until we do the right work at the right time, in the right way, we will just be spinning our wheels. And when, when I thought about that, when we do the right work, the right way, at the right time, I believe it's going to be a sweet and awesome thing. Now we've come to this place in Nehemiah that I feel we can't move any forward, more forward in this book. Because my fear is that where we are, in, listen, to me, Nehemiah fits where we are as a church perfectly. Perfectly. And what I don't want to do is get so in depth into the book of Nehemiah that we miss where we are at right now. And I believe that today's message will put us on hold until we move forward within our body. Because listen, Nehemiah went to build the wall, but he had the people to build it. He knew what they were capable of. He knew where to place them. He knew the strategic plan that he had. We don't have a plan. Yet, we're working on it. And so there's no reason to go build the wall until we get the plan in order. There's no reason to go and trying to build the wall until I know where you're gifted and you know where you're gifted and, and you know where you can serve and, and I know where I can serve and can't serve. And that process is going to take a little time. But I believe that we are at the place where God has us in this book for the day, for today and for the purpose of moving forward as the body of Christ to accomplish the goal of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and transform them their lives.
for the purpose of glorifying God. So let's see what Nehemiah is up to and what we can learn from him as we look through these verses today. So if you will, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 11 to 16. I'm reading from a New American Standard, and I believe we have slides. Yep, there you go. And so I hope you can read that font. hope it's big enough. If not, well, let me know, and I can, I can always make it bigger and put more slides in. So let's begin. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night, and a few men with me, I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well. And on to the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates which were consumed with, by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. And so I went up at night. I rabbi in the respect of the wall. And then I entered the valley gate again and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor... Had I yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work? I want us to notice three different things that express the character of a good leader. The first thing that we learn from this passage is that Nehemiah was a rested man. Second thing we learn about Nehemiah is that Nehemiah was a reflecting man. And thirdly, Nehemiah was a reserved man. All of these actions that we find in the lives of people who are leading with success. Because like I said earlier, in some way, shape, or form, you in your life and in your walk will lead. It may be in the workplace. It may be in your family. It may be in the church. It may be in your community. But at some point, we will lead in life. And if we are tired and unrested, you and I will make poor decisions. If we fail to reflect on the things in our lives, the state of our relationship with Jesus Christ, the needs of the local body of Christ will pass right by the things that will take us to the next stage of life. And if we fail to be reserved and we respond at the wrong time, it could be devastating to the work that you and I are doing in our lives, in our workplace, and in the church of Jesus Christ. So let's look at each one of these points in their passages. Number one, Nehemiah was a resting man. How many of you have heard the term burnt out? Raise your hand. 
If you're burnt out this morning, raise your hand. <laughs> no, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I don't want anybody to tell me you're burnt out. Not yet. <laughs> the reality is this. We as Christians can get burnt out. We as Christians can experience burnout. Not just in the local body of Christ, right? We can experience burnout on the job, right? I mean, got burnt out this weekend. Aren't you really glad that God gave us this, the, the day of rest, the Lord's day? You know, typically when I'm done past preaching on Sunday and I eat some lunch, I go home and I crash. And it's just so refreshing. And people, you know, my family, they want to come over and hang out and visit and stuff. And that's fine. I'm sleeping. You know, and they're like, why don't you come play? I'm, I'm tired, you know. This, is, this, this preaching stuff is, is spiritually draining. And so the reality is, is I am grateful for the Lord's day. But the fact is, Christians can get burned out on the job sites. They can get burned out in whatever they're doing in life. Maybe it's raising your children. I mean, we have six kids. And I've watched my wife experience burnout. What is she going to do? Sometimes you can't get out of it. But sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you need to rest. And that's why I think it's such a great testimony of, of the leadership style of Nehemiah. Because he, un, he understood the reality of needing rest. I like this one article and how they described burnout. They said this, Burnout is commonly described as an exhausted state in which a person loses interest in a particular activity. See, what you might find as you read this is that you're burnt out and you don't even know it. Burnout is commonly described as an exhausted state in which a person loses interest in a particular activity, even in life in general. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, social, and spiritual exhaustion. And it can lead to diminishing health, social withdrawal, depression, and spiritual dissatisfaction. Let me tell you something, guys. This morning, I want you to really listen. Because the reality is, it might not be today. And it might not be tomorrow. You may be going through some of these things. Or you may be headed to some of these things. But my encouragement to you is when we have a proper perspective in what it is to lead and to be driven by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand we need our rest. We need our rest. Burnout is a major issue in the Christian community. Many are burnout, and again, they don't even know what's happening. But Nehemiah made sure that he was not going to fall into this trap of burnout that would allow something to take over this ministry in which God has entrusted him to. Remember, Nehemiah had a journey over 800 miles and he probably encountered some difficulties along the way. We know he encountered Sanballat and his buddy and they weren't too happy that he was in town. But finally he made it to his destination. And so now we have come to verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Nehemiah had finally made it. And our text 
tells us that this great leader took three days off. He took a three-day break. Not from prayer, not from fasting or whatever he was doing. But the reality is he didn't jump right onto the job site. He took a break. He took a break. Why? Because Nehemiah understood that a good leader needs to be rested. Nehemiah didn't want to experience what people call decision fatigue. And if you're experiencing burnout, then you understand what I mean by decision fatigue. He knew that he couldn't be all that God needed him to be unless he was a rested man. I want to ask you this morning, don't raise your hands. How many of you today need rest? Spiritually, physically, emotionally. Because I want you to understand, and, and trust me, I know this. Well, that unless we are rested, we cannot effectively serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I I know because I'm tired. But we need our rest. Last night I lit a fire with the kids and we were out there and it was... I don't know, 9 o'clock. You know, it's kind of late for kids. It's Saturday. They need to be in the bed pretty early. And so I, I said, kids, y'all need to go inside. And will you, Daddy, you come in? No, I'm going to stay out here. And I stayed out there, and I rested. And I prayed. And I was just, it was so refreshing. I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't reading, well, I did read some scripture, but that wasn't my agenda. My agenda was just to sit still and be quiet and enjoy this rest. Some of us need to do that. Some of us need to to just set ourselves aside for a day or two. And I'm not talking about skipping church. (laughs) This should be our day of rest. This should be refreshing to us. If you come to church and you feel discouraged and you feel beat up, then, then maybe I haven't communicated clearly what I'm trying to communicate. Because my objective is that you come here and that you plug in to your energy source, which is the Word of God, and that, that is refreshing. It builds, it and encourages, it strengthens, and gives you the, the, the power you need to continue on through the week. And I don't know about you, but come Wednesday, I need to be plugged back in again, or I'm going to be drained. The question is, is how many of you need rest? How many have been working in their own strength to accomplish that which they feel the Lord has been leading them to? Because one writer said, burnout is the result of tremendous demands or responsibilities either placed on us by others or ourselves that we simply cannot bear. The reality is, is my gift is preaching and teaching. My gift is not encouragement. You'll find that out, I'm sure, as we, as we continue to work together. You'll say, that dude does not have the gift of encouragement. And my wife will tell you, I don't have the gift of encouragement. All my kids will tell you, I don't have that gift. But you know what burns me out? 
is when I tried to accomplish the things that I'm not gifted in. And I wonder how many of us in our lives are engaging and serving and working and doing things that we are not gifted by the Holy Spirit to do. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you have a job that you're working and you're doing it just to pay the bills. It doesn't fit your gifting. It's not a part of really God's plan for your life, but it's, it's a good paying job. And you're burnt out. But I want to tell you this morning, you need rest. You need to be rested. The question is, what does that look like? Right? I mean, rest to me is like, okay, so, so people say, well, you need to go on vacation, Stuart. I have six kids. <laughs> Going to Disney World with six kids ain't rest. <laughs> okay? That's fun, but it ain't rest. Rest to me is like a week in Montana. No, oh, Montana's not rest. They got too many hills. A week in Illinois in a deer stand by myself alone with God for like five days. That's, a, that's rest. Quiet, peace, tranquility. My wife, you know, when I had my television show, she, she would go hunting with me and, and, and we would sit in a deer stand and she goes, wow, I see why you like this so much now. I can hear the birds. It's just peaceful. It's quiet. So everybody's rest looks different. Somebody's rest might be, well, I want to go get a lawnmower and, and just mow the grass. You know, that's why I'm doing lawn care, right? You don't, you don't think I just like enjoy lawn care, right? No, I enjoy sitting on the mower and I put my headphones on, I listen to the scriptures, and I just mow. You got to listen to nothing but the Word of God. And then you go and there's a homeowner and they ain't happy about something and then the rest just ends. But at least it was good while it lasted. The reality is, is everybody has different rests. But I can tell you this. When we want to understand what it means to rest, we go to God's Word. And He tells us what that rest is. Sitting in the deer stand is, is restful for the body. But spiritually, is it restful? Well, it is if I'm praying, and I'm reading God's Word, and I'm reflecting on Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who is the rest giver? Jesus is the rest giver. And how do we experience Jesus? How do we communicate with God? Through prayer through His Word, through fellowship with the brethren, or brethren. The reality is, Jesus says, Come to Me, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light.
The Bible says that Jesus Christ gives us our rest. We live in a culture that demands our lives to be entrenched in things, to be entrenched in entertainment. And when I have to entertain people, that's draining. I have six kids. Again, when I have to entertain six kids, it's draining. I know my wife is drained. But we as followers of Jesus Christ can find rest in Him. When we stop trying to be something we're not, when we stop trying to accomplish things in which God hasn't designed us for, when we stop trying to to be and form things in which the way we desire, not the way God desires, we can find burnout on the other end of the line. The very things that seem hard and draining to some build and empower others. Right? Doesn't that make sense? Okay, so I don't have the gift of administration. Okay? I'm not a scheduler. I'm terrible at scheduling. I write nothing down. I've got so much going on in my life right now, I don't write anything down. Me and my dad were talking about yesterday. We were driving down the road, and it's like, I don't write nothing down, man. I just, you know, my brain is going constantly. I've tried the calendars. I've, I've tried the iPads, the iPhones, the, the scheduling, and... It just doesn't work for me. I don't work that way. It's more draining for me to try to schedule than it is to just remember and and move on and accomplish what it is that needs to be done. But for some, it's refreshing to schedule. My brother, he's like, you know, like a scheduling guru. I mean, every minute of every hour of every day is is to the T. I can't do that. Can't do that. I got got to be. Oh, man, that stresses me out. Like I'm already feeling burnout just talking about it. The reality is, is what is stressful for some is empowering to others. Because that's where we as the body of Christ begin to pick up those places. So now you know they don't have the gift of administration. So if there's someone in here with the gift of administration, we need you. I don't have the gift of encouragement. <laughs> you got the gift of encouragement, we, we need each other. See, that's how the body works. See, I'm like, I'm like the ear, okay? I listen, I hear, but I'm not the hand. See, every part has a different function. And we as the body of Christ must work together in order to see the effectiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ go forth and reach the community. And when we work together, when we become unified, when we, when we really get to know each other, we'll be an effective tool for the, for the kingdom. Now, because the reality is, is we could entertain and we could fill this room in a couple of months. We could get a rock concert. We could get LED lights and, you know, we could do that. We could even hire, we got enough money, we could hire a worship team. 
You know, I, that, somebody encouraged me about uh, four months ago, you need to hire a worship team. If I got to pay them, they ain't playing for me. Now, if we have a worship leader, that's different. But I want to see people serve the Lord Jesus Christ where they're gifted, where they're talented. I don't have a problem with paying a worship team, but I ain't hiring some pagan to come in and lead worship. Ain't happening. We can listen to a TV for free. At least we know they're godly people. So the reality is, we need to begin to understand where we're gifted because many times the burnout comes because we're striving to do things that we are not gifted to do. And so when I'm preparing my sermons, when I'm praying for you guys and my family and everybody else, when I'm investing into your lives, when, when, I, when, when I and my wife and we go out to dinner and we have fellowship, these things encourage me. They strengthen me because these are where I'm gifted. I don't get tired. I get encouraged. I can come in and prepare a sermon, and if I'm discouraged, I'm like, I really, 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 really don't want to do this. But then I sit down and I start doing it, and I get excited. Next thing you know, boom, I'm rolling. Because that's what encourages me, even though I'm so discouraged maybe that I don't want to do it, but when I start doing it, I, I start feeling that empowerment come upon me. And so when I try to fill those roles of administrator, event planner, this and that, I grow weary, and I'm sure when you do those things, you grow weary as well. And many times, when we're tired, we fail to make wise and godly decisions. Because those things can burn us out. And so we have to make sure that we are confined in the Lord to find rest. God has provided the rest we need in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we go to outside sources and we find this fake freedom or this fake rest through eating or drinking or spending or posting when really we need something simple in our lives and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the story of Moses? He would have got burned out. He was on, burnt, he was on the, the brink of burnout. If he wouldn't have taken the wise counsel from his father-in-law, Jethro, remember in Exodus 18, 14-23, Moses thought he was doing all that the Lord God wanted him to do. He was leading well. Sitting and judging and hearing the people's cases. Nevertheless, Jethro saw the need for this man to understand his job. And this job was not one job for one man to handle alone. Eventually Moses, he understood, would burn out if he stayed on this course. And so he didn't want the people to become unsatisfied. And so to avoid this burnout, Moses accepts this uh, admonishment, so to speak, that he couldn't meet the needs of everyone. And through God's charge, Moses' leadership was changed. And he didn't call him to perform every duty. 
You see, he delegated those things. And I can promise you, as, as we begin to grow as a church, I can't do everything. You can't do everything. And there's usually about 30 people in here. There's 30 workers for the Lord Jesus Christ that we can delegate this thing to. Because the reality is, is if we come here on Sundays and that's it, I really don't want to be part of that. I just go get a job and teach a Sunday school somewhere and, and be happy. If that's all church is about, is just, just Sunday morning for 45, 50 minutes. I want to play church. I want to see kingdom work done. I want to see people come to Christ. And it takes effort. It takes sacrifice. And it takes planning and wise counsel from those who understand what leadership is, and that's why we look to Nehemiah. And so we find that here Moses is advised to delegate the task of judging the nations of other trustworthy men. That way the people would be provided justice and others had opportunity to participate in God's plan. You see, I could do a lot of the work most of the work, but as I delegated, it allows those in the body of Christ to, to pitch in and do their part in the kingdom work. We must find rest. In the midst of serving, we have to find rest. Nehemiah rested for three days. He was a rested man, number one, but not only was he rested, Nehemiah was a reflecting man. After resting a few days, Nehemiah now begins to reflect on the work that needs to be done here in Jerusalem. And so he said, I arose in the night, and I had a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night to the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's gate and and on to the refused gate and inspecting the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and his gates were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. And so I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. And I entered the valley gate again and returned. Nehemiah had made some observations. But right off the bat, he didn't get anyone else involved. God was working through Nehemiah. He didn't need distractions, confusion, and chaos. He needed rest, reflection, and God-given clarity. And that's what many of us need. We need to reflect. And so Nehemiah searches for this rested, reflective, God-given clarity by not expounding anything that God has placed on his heart. That's what he said. I didn't tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. He starts with the travels of the wall to reflect on the damage that had been done so that he could determine what was going to be the needs and where he would need to begin 
Proper planning always helps to cast rested, reflective, God-given clarity. Nehemiah knew that he needed to get a hold of what damage had been done to this great wall in this city. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, it's not a little bitty wall. (laughs) It's a big wall. And it's a long ways. Just to walk down in the, the, the ravine there in front of the, uh, the Mount of Olives, it's a big drop-off. It may have looked a little different back then, but the reality is it's a lot of work just to walk around the wall and to ride whatever he was on. It doesn't tell us. But he needed to understand which walls were okay he needed to understand which walls were damaged, and he, under needed, he needed to understand which walls needed complete repair. And I can say this, I believe I can say this, we as a church, being in a church plant, we have to reflect on what is okay, what is damaged, and what is in need of complete repair. And it begins with us in our personal lives. You see, we can fix the building, paint the walls, put up blinds, which we need to do. But until we begin to evaluate the body, ourselves, we need to ask ourselves which walls are need to be repaired, which ones are okay, which ones are completely broken down. That's where it begins begins within us because we are the body of Christ. And when your walls are broken down, it affects the whole body of Christ. And so we need to find out who the strong, dedicated Christians are. We need to find out who are the Christians that are hurting in need of counsel. And we need to know whom among us are simply in need of salvation. It takes a time of reflection. It's not something that happens overnight. And sometimes we need to simply reflect on what's going on in us. Nehemiah reflects on the entire place. You see, a strong believer, a great leader, is one that is a reflective leader. And so we ask the question about ourselves. I believe a little will take place in the church until much has taken place in its members. Little will take place in the church until much has taken place in its members. We are the reflectiveness of the body of Christ. Family life, I think, asked a lot of questions that I found helped as I began to reflect on my life. You see, that's where it begins, right? I can't get up here and teach until I begin to reflect on my own life and I can be encouraged and discouraged and challenged by God's Word. And so these are some of the questions that I ask myself. Number one, am I motivated to do for others as Christ has done for me? Or am I giving in order to receive something in return? Am I experiencing a joy of life on a regular basis? Or is my happiness dependent upon things going smoothly in my day? Do I find myself frazzled? By the crashing waves of turmoil in my life or my experience in the peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Am I easily set off when things go wrong and people irritate me? Or am I able to keep a godly perspective in the face of life's irritations? Is it my goal to serve others with kindness? Or am I too focused on my own needs, desires, or problems to let the goodness of God overflow through me? To others. Does my life reflect the holiness of God? And do I desire to see others experience God at a deeper level in their own lives? Are there areas of hypocrisy and difference towards others in my life? Or is, it my, or is my life characterized by faith in Christ and faithfulness to those around me? Do I come across to others as brash or headstrong? Or am I allowing the grace of God to flow through me to others? Or are my fleshly desires controlling my life? Or am I allowing the Spirit to direct me to do the things that pleases God and to serve others? Am I actively dependent upon the Holy Spirit to guide me in God's ways? So that I don't get wrapped up in myself. If not, am I willing to confess to God that His way is better than mine and that I need spiritual guidance to live above the fray? Great questions. All questions based off the fruit of the Spirit. Every one of those. Nehemiah was a rested man. He was a reflecting man. And lastly, Nehemiah was a reserved man. Do you know what it means to be reserved? When I say reserved, I don't, I don't mean isolated, okay? That's the first thing we want to do when things don't go our way is we want to isolate ourselves. We want to be like Jonah and we want to run up to the little mountaintop and, and, and pout. That's not what I'm talking about when I mean reserved. When I say Nehemiah was a reserved man, he was slow to reveal emotions or opinions. Nehemiah was keeping reserved for a particular purpose. He didn't put out there all that was rocking through his head. He was reserved. And so we have to be careful. And we don't have all of the right answers all of the time. We're, we're called in Scripture to be, be ready to give an account for the hope that's within us. And so we need to make sure that we are able to give an answer. But the reality is, is a good leader is reserved until the proper time. Listen to what he says here in verse 16. The, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor... Had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work? He kept his plan of action, so to speak, on the down low. Why? Well, because he probably knew that some may try to stop his efforts. He knew that there would be sand ballots in the world that would try to discourage and suppress all that God was convincing him of and speaking to him about. Sometimes you and I don't need to tell everyone everything that's happening in our lives. 
Now there is a reality as brothers and sisters, we should have an openness. So that we can be praying for one another, that we can encourage one another, that we can admonish one another. But when God's speaking to our hearts and He's calling us to be a part of this ultimate plan, sometimes we need to just be reserved and that's a part of that patience. If everybody knows everything that God's doing in your life, you will have those that will try to sink your boat. We need to be more reserved with what we tell people in our lives as leaders, as bosses. Have you ever had a boss that just tells you everything? You're like, why are you telling me this? And it just makes the company look bad? You know? Or have you ever had somebody say, well, I need to do this, and next thing you know, somebody else is doing it, and it's gone now, somebody else picked it up. The reality is we've got to be careful with what we communicate. No one knew what was happening with what Nehemiah was doing except him and the Lord. He was praying about it. He was fasting about it. And it was for their protection and for their best interest. Sometimes people can think a lot less of a leader that doesn't talk about everything in the beginning and what his plan is and what the objectives are in what they're doing and how they're doing things and the way they're doing them but be reminded that in time these things come when Nehemiah will reveal all the plans that God had it was at the appropriate time it was for his glory and to accomplish the goals in which he had set Nehemiah will reveal all the plans that God has. And this great model is a great model for raising families, for running a business, for raising children, and other things as well. Keep it in until you're ready to begin. That was the kind of little phrase I made. Keep it in until you're ready to begin. And the reality is, When we do the right work, the right time, in the right way, all these things will come together in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our businesses, for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for your mercy.